Well, good morning, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you once again, Pastor Rick and Sarah, for leading us in that incredible time of worship. And thank you, Pastor Roger, for leading us into that, uh, that just anointed time of prayer. Thank you so much. Well, welcome, everybody. So excited to be with you here today. I've been looking forward to this time um, since our last time and just praying and trusting that God will meet us here in this place. Wherever you are today, whether uh, you're in your home, uh, maybe you're out driving in your car, maybe you're out on a walk, uh, maybe you're at the store, um, but I would just encourage you to, uh, to take this time for the next few moments and just listen in and let's partake together of the Lord's uh, word and uh, his instruction for us here. If you're at home, pull up a uh, uh, seat there on the couch, invite others to come and be a part. Uh, pull up a, a chair there at the dinner table. I would encourage you to grab your Bibles. We're gonna be looking at Mark chapter 16, beginning with verses 12 through 15. And also, I, I would encourage you that if you have your iPads there, your laptops, whatever electronic devices will work and uh, that you can read along with. But, but in this live stream, uh, we have a link there for you. You can click on and it's through version, and you can see the abbreviated outline and you could also see the text, um, the various uh, texts that, uh, that I'll be using this morning that we'll be sharing together. You can open those up and, and read along. I'm excited about this time. Um, we're concluding. Can you believe that, that we have been um, studying the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark for a year now? And uh, what an incredible time, what an incredible study it uh, has been. And uh, we will conclude that here this morning together, looking at Mark chapter 16. You know that there are many stories in the book of Mark, but uh, there's only one message. And we've talked about that on many occasions. Um, there's many stories, uh, but there's only one message, and that is that, that the kingdom of God is now, that the kingdom of God is here. Usually when someone gives us a gift, um, it's because they want to give us something in a tangible way um, to express um, appreciation, um, encouragement, thoughtfulness, affection, that they want to bring joy and love to us beyond measure, um, something that, uh, that they want to share with us to, to lighten our spirits. Um, maybe there's times when, uh, when our hearts have been aching or broken and somebody sends us a card or they, they give us a gift to, to lift us up. John three sixteen verse through 18 says this, this is how much God loved the world that he gave his son his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one, no one in need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all of the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. No. Telling the world how bad it was. No. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. What a beautiful gift that is. A, a gift for us that, that, that we can have, that we can receive here today. And the other part of chapter 16, um, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and, and, and we celebrate a resurrection day this last, uh, this last week at Easter. And what a great celebration it was. We, we celebrated the, the, the risen Savior, that he's no longer dead, that he's no longer in the tomb. 
uh, but, but that he's alive and that he is well and that he is living amongst us. Mark chapter 16, verse four through five, when they, when they looked up, they, they saw that the stone had been rolled away and it was a very large stone. Going into the tomb, the, the, the women entered the, the tomb's outer room that led into the burial chamber where the text tells us that, that these women saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side. And it says that they were startled. But if you were to take a look at that in verse six, he said to them, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the, the, the one who was crucified, but he's no, no longer here. Look, look, come and see the, the place where they had laid him. Now go and tell his disciples and, and, and make sure that you tell Peter that, that he's gone on ahead of you. Then look at Mark chapter 16, verse 12. It's the first verse of our text this morning. But Mark 16, 12 says, after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them, two who are walking alongside the road, along in the countryside. Luke's gospel gives us a bit more about this very account in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And, and I'm going to paraphrase here, if I may. But the two men were, were going to a village named Emmaus, and it was found about seven miles outside the, the city of Jerusalem. They were talking about all that they had experienced surrounding the death of Christ. And while doing so, the scriptures tell us that, that Jesus himself drew near to them, that Jesus himself began to walk with them. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 says that, that while they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Did you catch that? Jesus, when he came up to the two men walking along the road in the countryside, he came up to them and he said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace or, or shalom is the most common greeting among the Jewish people. Church, friends, family, those that may have, have tuned in to with us for the very first time, I just want you to know that, that when Jesus shows up, no matter where he is, no matter where we are, when, when Jesus shows up, he brings peace. He ushers in shalom. Henry Nouwen, in his book, Jesus, a Gospel, says, and I quote, the Jesus to whom they had pinned all their hopes the Jesus who was indeed dead and, and buried is, is now alive. He tells them that, that for Jesus whom they had admired so much, that death and dissolution have become the way to liberation. And he says this in such a way that, that they sense in their innermost selves that his way can become their way. As Jesus was talking to them now and says, they experienced in their hearts that there was that there was something new. It, it was as if their hearts were were burning with the flame that that came not from without, but from within. Jesus kindled them in their in, in them in something for for which they had no words, but which was so authentic, it was so real that it overcame their depression. And now and adds that Jesus makes us see existence in terms of his own experience that life is stronger and greater than death and dissolution. Amen and amen. Ephesians chapter 
uh, 2 verse 14 says this, for Christ himself is our way of peace. Jesus asked them, those that were on the road, he asked them, what is it, what is it that you're talking about? And one responded in such a way that, that he just assumed that maybe Jesus was a, was a visitor there in, in those parts. I, I think that he asked that because the only thing that, that would explain that question was because from their point of view, everyone, everyone was, was talking about the Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was in Luke chapter 24, verse 19, mighty and deed and word. And Luke chapter 24, verse 20, that, that they delivered him up to be condemned to death. And then they crucified him. And then in Luke chapter 24, verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. So when Jesus came and was asking them about their conversation, that was the topic. That was the subject matter. Everybody was talking about Jesus and, and how he had been crucified. And, and now it was the third day. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 says this. It is necessary that, that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering that he be tried and found guilty by the religious leaders, high priests and religion scholars to be killed. But yet don't miss the, the latter part of that text, Luke 9, 22. And on the third day, he will be raised up. He'll be raised up alive. Uh, friends, family, uh, gateway. This, this, this here is a trustworthy statement in scripture that, that he'll be raised up on the third day, he'll be raised up alive. He is alive. And, and as the song goes, something like, oh, happy day, oh, happy day, when Jesus walked and when Jesus washed all my sins away. Now, I'm not gonna sing that for you. And 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 many of you know that, that I can't sing. I guess I just did kind of sing, I guess, really. Um, but, uh, but, but we won't tell anybody about that. But there's that song that, that talks about how Jesus came and it was a happy day. Why? Because he did wash our sins away. Friends, Jesus Christ has come to, to give of himself, his life, so that, that we may have the opportunity to accept life eternal, life eternal with him. But we must, and if you have the outline there, or if you're if you're taking notes, writing notes down. But but there's just three things that I want to share with you today. But 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 if we are to receive that gift, the title of our message, the gift, then we one we we must recognize the gift, and two we must receive the gift, and three it's our responsibility, I believe scripturally, to to share that gift, to to share the gift of what God has done for us on the cross and the empty tomb that he's been raised up and that he is alive and that he's uh, amongst us. So the first thing that I wanna talk with you here this morning is, is that we need to recognize the gift. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 11 there, just the verse just prior to our selected text. But even after they heard the news, they didn't believe that, that Jesus was alive and that Mary had seen them. Old Testament shares of how the Messiah would, would come to, to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61 verses one through two, it says this, the, Lord's, the Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. 
He has sent me to bring the good news to the poor, to, to bind up the, the, the brokenhearted, to proclaim and release the captives and, and liberate the prisoners, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God to comfort all who mourn. And then the New Testament shares that, that same thought, and that same prophecy in Luke chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me, is upon me. This is Jesus speaking because he has anointed me to, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Old Testament shares of, uh, of mockery and, and ridicule in Psalm 22, 7 through 8. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults and they shake their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. In the New Testament on being mocked and ridiculed, Luke chapter 23, verse 35 the people stood watching and, and the rulers and with the rulers and they sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one, let him save himself. The Old Testament shares of being falsely accused, false accusations. Psalm 35 verse 11, violent witnesses stand up. They question me about things that, that I know nothing about. In the New Testament, Jesus is falsely accused. In Mark chapter 14, verse 57 through 58, some stood to offer false witnesses against him, saying, we heard him saying that, that, that I will destroy this temple that has been constructed by humans, and within three days, I will build another, not one made by human hands. The Old Testament shares that, that hands and feet would be pierced. Psalm 22, verse 16 through 18. In the message translation, they, they pin me down hand and foot and they, they lock me in a cage, a bag of bones in a cage, stared at by, by every passerby. They, they take the shirt off of my back and then throw dice for my clothes. Zechariah, the Old Testament, chapter 12, Verse 10, but I will pour out a spirit of grace and mercy on David's house and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They will look to me concerning the one to whom they have pierced. In the New Testament, John chapter 20, verse 25 through 27, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by, by the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. In verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were, were here again in a house and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and, and stood among them. And then he said, peace be with you. Remember that? Peace be with you. Just like the two that were on the country road. Shalom. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, come and put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put, put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. No more disbelief, Thomas. Believe. Believe. 
The Old Testament shares of, of praying for one's enemies in Psalm 109, verse 4. Instead of, of returning my love, they accuse me, but yet I am at prayer. Luke chapter 23, verse 24, Jesus prays, and we've talked often about how Jesus takes that posture of prayer, but Jesus prays on the cross, on the cross, as people are ridiculing him, as people are despising him, mocking him, rolling dice for his, 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 his own clothes, for his cloak. And he says this, and I quote in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. But yet Jesus hung on the cross, taking his last breath, and he's praying for those who opposed him. He's praying for those that hung him there on that old rugged tree. The Old Testament shares of the resurrection power. Psalm 16:10, because you won't abandon my life to the grave, you won't let your faithful follower see the pit. Psalm 49:15, but God will save my life from the power of the grave because he will take me. He will care for me. In the New Testament, Matthew 28, verse 2, going through verse 7, there was a great earthquake for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he, he rolled it away and he sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, the one who was crucified. He isn't here. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead. Just as he said, come and see, look, look where they have laid his body. He's no longer here. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him. You will find him there. I've given the message to you. Now go. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, we see that the fellow Israelites, and it says this, listen carefully to these words. Jesus, the, the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you. The miracles and the wonders and the, the signs that God did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, following the deliberate and well thought out plan of God, he was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands and was handed over to you. And you pinned him to a cross and you killed him. But God untied the death. But God untied the death ropes and raised him up. Death was no match for him. The Old Testament shares of the sacrifice that will be made for sins. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that, that made us whole. And by his wounds, we are healed. Like sheep, we've all wandered away, each going his own way. But the Lord let fall on him all of our crimes. He was opposed and, and tormented, but he didn't open his mouth. Like a lamb being brought to slaughter, like an ooh silent before her shears, 
he didn't open his mouth. Due to an unjust ruling, he was taken away and his fate, who, who will think about it? Who will think about it? Think about his fate. He was eliminated from the land of the limit of the living. He was struck dead because of people's rebellion. His grave was among the wicked, his tomb with evil doers. Though he had done no violence, he had spoken nothing false. But the Lord wanted to crush him, to make him suffer. If his life is offered as, as restitution, he will see his offspring. He will enjoy a long life. The Lord's plans will come to fruition through him. After his deep anguish, he will see light and he will be satisfied. Through his knowledge that the righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous and will bear their guilt. Therefore, I will give him a share with the great and he will divide the spoil with the strong in return for exposing his life to death and being numbered with rebels. Though he carried the sin of many and pleaded on behalf of those who rebelled. The New Testament, the New Testament shares of, of Christ's sacrifice for sins, what he did for us. Romans chapter five, verse six says this, why we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us. God showed his love for us, church, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the first thing we, we must not only with this gift, this gift of life eternal, this, this gift that God gave us by, by giving up his life, by, by giving up his last breath, by dying on the cross and then being placed in the tomb and then the stone being rolled away and now he is risen. He is risen indeed. Not only must we recognize that gift, we must intentionally look to see how God is moving in our lives. Yes, even in the midst of these very challenging times, how can we see, how can we see God moving? You fill in the blank. How do you see God moving in your life? Because the God who died for you 2,000 years ago is not forgetting you in this moment, in these trying times, in these hours, in these days of, of quarantine, in this time of pandemic. The same God who died for you, and I believe that, that he spoke our names, each of us, on the cross that day, that I'm dying for you, Joe, that I'm dying for you. Fill in your name there. The same God who remembered us 2,000 plus years ago is the same God who is mindful of us this very day, this very day, April in the year 2020. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight through nine, we are experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We are confused, but, but we are not depressed. We are harassed, but we are not abandoned. We are knocked down, but we are not knocked out. If there are those that are around you this morning, would you just say amen? Uh, just say amen this morning. Say amen with me in regards to that. John chapter 14, verse seven. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. John chapter 16, verse 33. I, I've said these things to you so, so that you will have peace 
in me so that you will remember that word peace, that you will have shalom in me. In the world, you have distress, but be encouraged because I, being Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, have conquered the world. Not only are we to recognize the gift, but we are also to receive the gift. That's the second thing that I want to share with us here this morning. Not only to recognize, but but we are called to receive the gift, the gift of eternal life, to accept that which Christ has done for us. John chapter 10, verse 11 says, Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his beloved sheep. John chapter three, verse 17 we all know and probably can, can recite by heart John um, 3, 16, but, but John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, this is how much God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed, that by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all of the trouble of sending his son merely to, to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was He came to to help. He came to to put this world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. We have this choice. It's not forced upon us. Church, we have this choice. God's not going to force us. God's not going to force us to receive that gift. But it is my desire. It is my desire. It's God's desire that you recognize the gift and that you receive the gift that has been forwarded to us. Because of that old rugged cross, because of the blood that was spilt on that dusty hill 2,000 plus years ago. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says this If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think about God's gift and how it poured out through one man, Jesus Christ. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that that one sin was the death sentence. The the verdict on the many sins that followed was was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine out of the garden, can you imagine the, the breathtaking recovery life makes Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift. This grand setting, everything right. This one man, this one man that is afforded to us through this one man, Jesus Christ. There's this story that that I've heard a number of years ago, and, and, and maybe I, I've shared it uh, on, on another occasion, but there's a story of, of this, uh, this young man um, who uh, will be graduating soon. He's a senior in high school. And, uh, oh, we, we're so thankful for all of the seniors of high school this year. We love you. We appreciate you. You have done well. We're thankful for you. And even in the midst of this, and, and, uh, and maybe even not being able to have commencement service, you have done and will continue to do great things. I just trust and believe that. We just know that God has great plans for you. But this story talks about a, a young man who's getting ready to graduate high school, and he comes to his dad, and he's like, Dad, you know, um, I, I would really like to, 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 to get a car. And you know, Dad, um, I would just, that, that would just be the greatest thing. 
and the father in agreement, you know, being the son's upcoming graduation. So they all went down and, and uh, this father and son, they, they went to the, to the dealership and the son found this car. He found this car that he just fell in love with. He just, he just wanted that car. And then they went back home and a few days later, a few weeks later, um, it's graduation and, and uh, the commencement services have taken place and, and this father comes and he hands his, his son um, this gift, this small little gift. And I'm sure that gift was, was taken and wrapped in great care and the bow is just perfect. And he handed this gift to his son and the son tore it open and, and realized on the inside in this box was, was a brand new Bible a Bible that had his son's name printed right on the front. And as the story goes, and it's heartbreaking, but as the story goes, the, 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 the son, he set that Bible down. He didn't want anything to do with it because what he wanted in his mind, what would have been just the perfect gift for him was to receive a set of car keys so that he could go out and, and, and get in a brand new car and he could go down the road and, 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 and drive and and experiences independence, if you will. But the son left. The son went off and, and uh, a number of years passed by. The father and son hadn't even communicated since that time, since that occasion. How sad, how heartbreaking. And then there was a phone call where the son received notice that his father had passed away. So the son comes back home after many, many miles of separation and many, many years of separation. And, and the son goes and he's going through his father's things and he comes across that, that brand new Bible with his name in, embossed on that bottom lower right-hand corner. And so he takes and he opens up that Bible just to take a look at it. And he notices that, that inside, tucked inside the cover of that Bible is an envelope so he opens up that envelope and he begins to read a letter from his dad. But he also sees that within the containment of that letter in that envelope was a cashier's check for the exact amount of the car that they had found at the dealership just a few days or a few weeks prior. When I think about that illustration, I think that we're not only supposed to just just recognize what God did for us on the cross. But we are also to receive what the Heavenly Father has done for us. God doesn't desire for us to, to push back. God doesn't desire for us to, to go out on our own. God doesn't desire for us to, to try to do this thing called life, this journey on our own. He wants to be with us every step of the way. Not only are we to recognize the gift, but we are to receive the gift. The gift that God came to give us. The gift of life. The gift of love. The gift of compassion. The gift of encouragement. The gift of light. So that when things seem so dark and dreary, that he being the light can expose the darkness, that he being the light can draw us closer to him. So not only are we called to recognize the gift and to receive the gift, but we're also called to, to share the gift. Look at, look at verse 15 of our selected text there in, in Mark. 
Mark 16, Jesus said to them, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to every creature. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, very, very similar. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the original language there, the, the original language, the, the word is hapanta, which means whole, whole, not, not just a portion of, not just a, 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 a piece of, not just a, a, a partial, but whole, not halfway, but, but to be complete, to, to, to be sold out for. Many of you know that, uh, that uh, this last summer I, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. And that mountain stands at just under 20,000 feet. It's not something that you can just decide one day that you're going to go and climb, climb it the next. I trained for nearly a year to reach that summit. It took commitment. It, it took responsibility. I had to be sold out for the cause. God is calling us as believers to, to recognize the gift. God is calling us as believers to, to receive the gift. God is calling us as believers to, to share the gift, to share the gift of the world, to, to the world, the, the resurrection, resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would we ever want to keep Christ, the one who came and died for us? Why would we ever want to keep Christ, the one who, who has risen from the dead for us? Why would we want to keep that story all to ourselves? Recently, I've been hearing this expression that, that we're in this together. And I love that expression because we need to keep doing life together. We need to do it all the time, not just in times of uncertainty, Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us that, that we're to encourage one another, that we're to spur one another on, that we're to be there for one another. This week, we need to contact somebody. We need to pick up the phone. We need to send an email, write a card, um, stand outside in our front yard and, and talk with our neighbor. But, but we need to let people know. We need to let the world around us know. We need to share the gift. We need to share the gift that, 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 that God is with us, that God loves us. We need to take up our cross daily and, and share to the world around us that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to share with the world around us the gift that, that, that God wants to be in relationship with us, that he is our peace, that he is our shalom, that he is the peace in the midst of the storm. Whether it's a, a, a pandemic, um, whether it's a, a marriage situation, a, a broken relationship with a family member, a, a job loss, whatever may come our way, we need to share the gift that God has given us, not only to recognize the gift and to, and to receive the gift, but to share the gift to the world around us, the world in which we reside, because people... People are looking for answers. They're looking for what is taking place now. We have such an opportunity to share the gift that God has given us. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine. But watch out. Be careful never to forget 
what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and, and, and be sure to pass them on. Pass the things, the goodness of God, the, 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 the gift that you've recognized, the gift that you have received. Now share that, share that gift to your children and to your grandchildren. The scriptures tell us that even if we don't speak of the goodness of God, that the rocks themselves will cry out of the goodness of God, the authority of God, God Almighty. Luke chapter 19, verse 39 through 40, some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, scold your disciples, tell them to stop, tell them to stop. And Jesus answered, and I love this response, I tell you, if they were to become silent, even the stones would shout. I want to use this text here this morning as our conclusion. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, in the message translation, it says, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Friends, we have this opportunity to have, have a new identity in Christ Isaiah 43, verse 18, forget about what has happened. Don't keep going back over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? And, and I would just encourage you to, to look for it, to, to recognize the gift, to receive the gift, and then to share the gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we're not giving up. How could we? even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration that has been prepared for us. There's far more here than, 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 than meets the eye. The, the, the things that we see now are, are, are here today, but they'll be gone tomorrow. But the things that we can't see now will last forever. They will last forever. Friends, God is making things new. Genesis chapter one, verse 31. God looked over everything that he had made and it was good. It was so very good. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? I'm sticking with God. And I love this. I love this. The author Lamentations. I'll say it over and over again. He's all I've got left. And I'm going to hold on to him. Someone said, and I quote, though we may face difficult times, God renews his grace in every situation that we face. Revelation chapter 24 says this, excuse me, Revelation 21 says this, verses three through four. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He is their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain all gone. All the first order of things gone. 
The enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down, each word dependable and accurate. It's a trustworthy statement, friends. It's a trustworthy statement. So we need to think about the gift today. The gift that we celebrated last week, Resurrection Sunday. We, we need to recognize the gift. We need to receive the gift. We need to, to share the gift. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father God, we would just ask today that you would just draw near to us. That Father God, that you would just hear our prayers. Lord, that you would hear our prayers. There's so many things um, upon our hearts here today. Lord, um, we have loved ones, family members, friends, Lord, that are, that are struggling um, with health issues. I pray, Father God, that you would just draw near to them, whether they are home in quarantine or, Lord, whether they are there in the hospital rooms. We just pray, Lord, that you draw near, that you draw close to them. Pray, Father God, for our first responders and for our doctors and nurses and the medical teams, Lord. We just pray for, for protection of, of them, Father God as they, they fight this uh, horrific pandemic. Lord, we, we pray for those that are furloughed. Lord, those that, uh, that maybe have lost jobs because of this. We, we just pray, Father God, that, that, that you will meet our needs, that, Father God, that, that you will be in the midst of all of this, that, Lord, that you'll bring peace, that you'll bring shalom. Father God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to to be able to, to, to recognize, to be able to, to receive, to be able to, to share that precious gift that you have afforded us. Father God, there may be somebody here this morning that they're listening to this message and, and their heart has been tittered in such a way, Lord, that they're seeking that gift, that they want that gift. I pray, Father God, that you just draw close to them. Father God, we love you. Father God, we praise you. We pray, Lord, that... Uh, that this, uh, this pandemic will end sooner than later. But Lord, we just trust that you are with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. In your precious and gracious name, Lord, amen and amen.